The views expressed in this podcast are solely those of the individuals being interviewed and do not necessarily represent those of the Greater Winter Haven Chamber of Commerce. You're listening to It's Happening in the Haven. I'm your host, Katie Worthington Decker. Each episode, I get the privilege to speak to the amazing people taking Winter Haven and its surrounding Central Florida area to the next level. We're future focused, celebrating our entrepreneurial history and leveraging it for our bright future ahead. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us for this episode of It's Happening in the Haven. I'm your host, Katie Worthington Decker of the Greater Winter Haven Chamber of Commerce. This podcast is produced by the Winter Haven Chamber, but made possible through a phenomenal partnership with Dolphin Image Studios. Our producer from Dolphin Image Studios is Nate. Hey, Nate, tell our listeners a little bit about your studios. All right. Dolphin Image Studios is a uh, full production film and television studio. We offer a 3,000 square foot soundstage, psych wall, LED wall, and a podcast studio. If you want to find us, just go to facebook.com backslash Dolphin Image Studios. Today, we will hear from Dr. Michelle Henney of Releve Sports Medicine about her background and experience as a woman in that field. We'll also have a nonprofit segment featuring Susan Eldridge, Executive Director of Meals on Wheels, about the wonderful services they provide to our community. This podcast would not be possible without our chamber and investor businesses stepping up to support us. We'd like to thank one of our podcast presenting sponsors, Advent Health. Advent Health Heart of Florida and Advent Health Lake Wales take the safety of their patients very seriously. And they want you to know that they've enacted new policies and procedures to help keep you safe during this unprecedented time. They also urge the community not to wait to seek medical treatment. Advent Health is here for you and ready to help you feel whole again. They are following social distancing practices and have contactless registration where patients can register for appointments and then wait in their car until it is time for their appointment. They are also providing masks for all staff, patients, and visitors and conducting temperature checks on all team members, physicians, and visitors. To learn more, visit adventhealth.com. Today, we are joined by owner and founder of Releve Sports Medicine, Dr. Michelle Henney. Dr. Henney is a true sports enthusiast with a rich background in treating all types of injuries and clientele. Dr. Henney works with local high schools, state colleges and universities, and athletic programs to provide accessible access to medical care for athletes. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Henney. Thank you. So tell us a little bit about yourself. I know you're originally from Florida, but how did you end up in Polk County? So I went to the University of South Florida and I did a combined seven-year medical program there. So I shortened my undergrad time period, but fortunately I got the opportunity to meet a wonderful man who is from Winter Haven and we started dating when I was in medical school. He traveled and moved with me for residency. And then when I was starting fellowship in sports medicine, we were looking to see, okay, where were we going to go in the country? 
because at that point I, I had a one-year fellowship coming up and, and I had the opportunity we could potentially travel. And what we did is I got my first choice, which was in Orlando. And mm-hmm. we moved to Winter Haven at that time. Oh, wow. Wow. I think a lot of people share that similar story. I mean, that, uh, a boy is what brought me to Winter Haven initially. <laughs> There's a lot of professional women in Winter Haven that were right here by men. Exactly. Exactly. But um, even though that boy's not in my picture anymore, I kept Winter Haven. So I won custody of that. I'm very proud of it. So, um, well, we're very thankful that you happened to fall in love with the Winter Haven boys so that we can keep you here in our community, which is wonderful. Um, and so what originally got you interested in sports medicine? I grew up playing soccer. And as you can probably identify with as a child and as an adolescent, when you spend a great deal of time participating in an activity, you identify yourself with that activity. And so I was a soccer player. And as I was getting older, I started looking and saying, well, I'm, I'm doing very well academically. I am very good athletically, but I don't know that this athletic career is going to be the career that's going to put food on the table and those sorts of things. (laughs) That hard realization to come to, isn't it? (laughs) Exactly. exactly. You know, you just hope. (laughs) And so I was, when I was looking, I was on a soccer team where all of the other players on my team did get athletic scholarships for college. Mm -hmm. But for me, it was, I, I got academic scholarships and that's when I had chosen USF and I really, I haven't looked back since then, but I was super thrilled when one of the girls that I played soccer with in high school, she's, she is playing professional soccer now and it's, it's come full circle because now that I finally, when I was in Orlando finishing my training, that was working with Orlando Pride there. I got the chance to get back and work with her. And I was like, you know what? I like this side of the table, right? I I like where I, I can do this for my entire life. I don't have to worry about getting an injury. And and I'm back on the pitch, back on the field, doing getting to be participating in a sport that I love. Absolutely. How exciting is it for you? This is a side note question, but how exciting is it for you that soccer as a sport has really become so much more elevated in this country. I mean, obviously in Europe, it's been huge. And in South America, it's been huge for a long time. But to have Orlando Pride, to have um, Orlando City right up the street, and of course the team in Tampa, um, and our own team, Florida Tropics, right here in um, Polk County. What is that like for you growing up in the sport? Oh, it's it's amazing. There are so many opportunities because of that, where if you ask me to, to stand on the sideline watching a soccer game, absolutely, yes. Mm-hmm. You know, sign me up for that. I know with the MLS is back tournament, they have that coming up in Orlando. I was... We'll we'll see what happens, but I was notified by one of the uh, the medical director for Orlando City that I was shortlisted as one of the physicians that may be asked to cover that. And I said, well, just let me know. <laughs> I'll be there. Well, there's nothing quite like, I think, an Orlando City game, and I've not been to a Pride game, but um, just the, the fan base is so fervent um, mm-hmm. about it, and it's the organization itself has just done such a great job of ingraining themselves in the Orlando community. And so they whipped up a fan base pretty quickly um, in terms of that. So it's, it's so exciting to see the the spread of that. And of course in, in Winter Haven, 
uh, itself, we've got a very strong youth soccer association. So there's a lot of built-in fans that that come up from that and and go into the sport. So it, it really is a wonderful thing. So when you decided that you were going to go into to sports medicine and kind of the the vein of medicine that you are in, are there a lot of females in that field? There are not a lot of females, but there are increasingly becoming more females. Mm-hmm. We, we do, fortunately, at this moment in time, we do have a few female sports medicine physicians that are in leadership roles, and it's always helpful to have that kind of image, that kind of leader who's out there that you can identify with. Mm-hmm. One of those being the the medical director for the for all of MLS, which is Margot Patukian. Oh wow! And she she has just done a phenomenal job at being a leader, being a female leader, mm-hmm. and creating that path for women to become leaders in sports medicine. It's always good to have somebody that you can see yourself in that role, that role model that you can look up to. So. Tell me a little bit about your practice here. Um, and, you know, you, you came to Winter Haven. Um, you've, you're building your, your life here, your family here. Um, Releve, tell me about the name, the clinic, and what kind of um, uh, services and injuries that you treat. Absolutely. So when I was looking at starting a company, one of the first things that you look at is is going on to SunBiz, picking out a name, getting it registered, and, and you know, it's it, you break it down into the baby steps. Mm-hmm. So I was talking to my husband, and I was talking about a variety of different ideas that I had for names. And what he did the day, the day that I was planning, okay, I'm going to go on some business day. I'm going to, I'm going to register my company. And then I, you know, it's going to be my company at this, from this point forward. <laughs> and he goes on Google and he searches what I think is, you know, going to be the name of the company. And he's like, Michelle, you can't do this. <laughs> <laughs> you will never make it to the fifth page of Google. You just, oh, really? you know, there's, yeah. there's a lot of redundancy and names Mm -hmm. within sports medicine clinics. So that put me back to the drawing board. Mm -hmm. So what am I going to do? So I created a list and, and I created, I created actually three lists. And one of the lists was a location specific name, right? Something chain of lakes, something Polk County, something that has a tie into our area. Mm -hmm. The second one was a superlative type of name, the best or premier or, mm-hmm. um, you know, these these kind of that upper echelon uh, words there. And then my third list was athletic terms. Mm-hmm. And so with the athletic terms, I was thinking, okay, you have, you have running, you have kicking, you have, you know, whether it's football specific or baseball specific or basketball. And, and as I was kind of running through all these names, one that stuck out was Releve. And, and for the most part, you know, most people pronounce it relief. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. Hey, and if you provide that to them. That's right. I will take it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. Yeah, so Releve is a ballet term. It's a dancing term. And it refers to going up on the highest point of your foot. Mm-hmm. And when our goal is to help people to achieve their highest potential. It's it's saying, yes, you've had an injury, or yes, you've had this pain that's holding you back from achieving your goals. Releve 
directly reflects that notion that we're trying to get you to those goals. Mm -hmm. And so that's where, so Releve Sports Medicine, it, you know, and, and it's the dancers that I take care of, they they know. Right. Um, and everybody else, it's Relief Sports Medicine, and and that's good every day of the week. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, you, you did good there. You kind of got a double I hit on that. I got both of them, yes. <laughs> and, and that's one thing, um, you know, I'm going to gush on you a little bit, but I've been very impressed with your ability to market your small business. I mean, you have been in business uh, for how many years now? In We're going to be starting our fourth year four years. And I remember when we did the ribbon cutting, I can't believe that. Oh my gosh. You really are good at getting out there on social media and um, you've gone through our leadership program and you're really trying to make that connection. You understand uh, that running a small business is a lot of hard work. And although you have a, a doctor in front of your name, you didn't go to school for marketing. You understand that whether you are a physician or whatever your trade is that your small business is, um, you are the chief marketing officer for that. And you've really taken that into your own hands. So um, for any of our listeners that run small businesses, if you want to have a good example to look to um, for someone who is uh, really doing a good job on getting their brand out there, you know, check out Dr. Henny's Instagram and, and um, really look at how she's making those connections in the electronic world too. So that's my little gush about you. But I've always been <laughs> impressed with your uh, ability to get out there. So tell us about what a typical patient is for you or what, what do you look for? If someone out there is, is experiencing, um, you know, whether it's orthopedic pain or, or some sort of pain related to a sport or even daily life, um, what does a typical patient for you look like? So I tell people that there are three main patients and one of them is going to be the kid that the pediatric patients, um, the the child who's coming in, and most of the time when when kids are coming in, their their growth plates are open, so their bones and their body hasn't fully developed yet. And when their body hasn't fully developed, the weakest point in their system happens to be their growth plates, as well as those bones. And so those kids are frequently coming in for fractures. So we see, we do see a lot of those kids and, and especially, you know, honestly with, with COVID occurring and, and a lot of the stay at home orders and restrictions going on, we were seeing a lot of kids who were, you know, they, they've jumped off the, the couch a hundred times already. So now they're going to jump off the next highest thing mm -hmm. and now they get hurt. Um, so, Talk about aiming higher. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I think that that armoire looks like a good place for me to jump off this next time. <laughs> yeah, and these poor parents, they they just feel awful uh, because you know. And, and what are they supposed to do, really? Right. You know, how how are you going to be able to manage? I have learned it takes two <laughs> seconds with my two year old. It takes two seconds of not looking at them for them to find the next thing to climb on. <laughs> yeah. So so really, you're saying it takes perfection. Per right. Perfect adult uh, yeah. is how you prevent these. That doesn't exist no yeah. it doesn't so yeah so that's that's certainly one of those um the the athletes the athletes are a big one you had talked about the i am involved with uh, the local high schools as well as um, some of our universities and state colleges here locally so i do take care of a very large proportion of athletes now granted they do there is a a seasonal uh situation with that why because they're coming back to school in August. They're gone for most of December. And then they're here in the spring. And then by May, by the beginning of May, they're going to be leaving again. So so it is a, a these are folks kind of like our, our snowbirds who come mm -hmm. in and um, fill, fill our community during their time. 
that would be the second group. And then that third group is, is as we age, as we age, we have um, injuries that occur. We have things that start hurting. We have things that keep us up at night. We have things that, um, you know, make it difficult for us to be able to do the activities we want to do. Those those are the folks who are coming in. We, you know, a lot of arthritis, a, a lot of, of those um, types of overuse and chronic type of pains mm-hmm. are the ones that we see in in those older adults. And then and then we do see those athletes also for concussions in addition to their injuries. Oh, okay, okay. I, you are very eloquent, and I love how you dance around saying all the old people. <laughs> Which, I mean, I'm 36 and I already have aches and pains, but I just really, really enjoyed you. You did a wonderful job of that, Dr. Henny. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, so um, do you have any kind of um, crazy stories or crazy injuries that you've seen um, come through your doors? Kind of a favorite story that you can share. Okay. My absolute, I, well, I'm going to go with two because okay. I have my absolute favorite and then I have a, a, a unique um, new age story. Sure. So, so during during spring training, the first year that I worked with the Nationals for spring training, I got to spend a a good amount of time working with them, and um, I was I was down in in West Palm and really got to know a lot of the staff there as well as our manager, and they had an away game coming up. And they asked me the morning of the away game, normally on away game days, those are easier days for me. I, you know, I get there around 5.30 in the morning. And then, and normally on those days, I'm done by around 10 or 11. And then I'll go and kind of do other things. So this particular day, they came to me and they said, hey, Dr. Henny, do you want to ride with us? Do you want to go to our away game? I said, sure. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I didn't have any other things planned. I'd be happy to do it. It's a it's a fun opportunity, a, a cool experience. So, I got ready. I got I I took the bus um, with the rest of the staff, and we we went up to the Port St. Lucie area and went to their stadium. And the cool thing with spring training is that when you're home, you're Major League guys, they're going to play maybe the first four innings or so. Mm-hmm. After that, you're going to start bringing in the AA and AAA, which are the next um, levels down. You're going to bring those athletes in and allow them playing time, right. give them that exposure, get some experience under under their belt. Well, when when you're away, it's it's your good team's playing most of the time, mm-hmm. and and that's always fun. Well, this particular game. Their pitcher, uh, they one of their pitchers. His name is Max Scherzer, and Max Scherzer is an incredible pitcher. His he's a, a three-time Cy Young Award winner, so he's really one of the best in the league. Mm-hmm. And he was going to be the pitcher. So I'm bef- I'm going to get it. I'm getting ahead of myself here. I'm going to I'm going to take it back a step. So whenever I'm at the field for home games, most of the time I'll actually sit in the crowd. If something happens, there's there's rarely something that happens that acutely. The athletic trainers are on the sidelines, mm-hmm. so they respond more acutely. And I'll have time to get back um, down underneath the stadium if something were to happen in spring training. Well, when you're at an away game, I don't know the ushers and the security and mm-hmm. the, and so I had actually I'd gone to the head athletic trainer, and I said, "So where do you want me to sit?" 
And he goes, well, Dr. Henny, hold, you know, I'll, I'll get back to you. You just, you know, hang tight. I'll get back to you. I'm not sure. And so he comes back to me and he says, I talked with the manager who is Dusty Baker at the time. And he says, and I asked her where Dr. Henny should sit. And he said, she should sit with us. And I was like, yes, that is awesome. <laughs> I would love Bucket to. Bucket list check. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, so yes, yeah, so this, this particular game, I sat in the dugout at an away game and I watched Max Scherzer pitch. And he's phenomenal regardless. But this particular game, who comes up to that but the king of college football? Really? So Max Scherzer is pitching against Tim Tebow. <laughs> and Max Scherzer, prior to the game, he said to, the, to all of his teammates, and he is a very, very, very highly competitive individual, mm -hmm. incredibly competitive. Um, and, and he says to his teammates, he says, you will not let him get on base. You will not let him do anything. We will not be on Sports Center. We will not, you know, he was all about it. He, he this, the, you know, this guy is going down and we're not going to be part of any kind of story about it. And so, yes. So Tim Tebow comes up to that and this poor guy. <laughs> and he's, you know, he's, he's excellent, excellent in his own right. Mm -hmm. So, yes, he comes up to bat and he holds his bat up and he gets in position. And Max throws his first pitch and it's a um, 95 mile an hour fastball. Mm -hmm. And Tim Tebow never moved. <laughs> and, shock and awe <laughs> and he, he stayed in position and so then Max threw his second uh, which was a 97 mile an hour fastball and then the third uh, which was another 97 mile an hour fastball and Tim Tebow put his bat down and walked back to the dugout <laughs> So it was, it was awesome. That is. It was a great experience. So that, that was, you know, all time, definitely bucket list. Mm -hmm. Who I, I don't know that I'll ever have that kind of an experience again. But so the interesting thing that happened more recently, back in May, Florida was one of the first states to allow professional sports to restart. Right. And when the UFC event occurred, mm -hmm. so they had three back-to-back-to-back -to -back -to -back events happening up in Jacksonville. And I'm a certified ringside physician, so I cover professional grappling sports. And the head of the Florida Boxing Commission, who, who is the one who allows these events to occur, he had reached out to me, and his name is Tim Shipman, and he'd reached out to me, and he said, the, Dr. Henny, we we don't have many people on our on our short list for this activity. We want you to be one of the ones to come and help cover this. He he, he oversees all of the physician coverage for it um, in, in that role. So therefore, I and of course me, I'm, yep, absolutely, sounds good. You know, just let me know the dates and I'll be up there. So I went up to Jacksonville and, and that was a time, honestly, when, when I was checking into the hotel there, I, I asked the people at the hotel, I said, how many other people besides, because as I was looking around, I could tell Everybody here was, they were wearing UFC shirts. They were, you know, mm -hmm. the, the athletes or, or their team. And they said, it's, it's just you guys. And we were at a, a very large hotel. Mm -hmm. And so they were, they were very appreciative that we were there. They, when, so that event, the uniqueness of watching 
a combat sports, a grappling sports type of event with no audience. I bet that was eerie. It was so strange. Mm -hmm. It was. It was very eerie. So how many people were in the arena? Well, so they, so in talking with their staff, they had, in order to do three events, it was Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Mm -hmm. they had to have, it was 500 people is how many people, because they COVID tested everybody. That it takes to run an event like that between the teams and the... Yes. Yep. Between the teams, the staff that that put up and take down things that are, um, you know, the press right? with everything involved. And this you, you can imagine there's there's typically, let's say, 10 events, um, mm-hmm. 10, 10 bouts between two different people. So so, you know, 20 ish people are going to be actually fighting um, for these three events. And, and yeah, it takes just over 500. So when you watch a grappling event like that, do you watch each hit and go, oh, need to make sure we're checking that out? <laughs> I mean, I can only imagine because a lot of times when the injuries are happening, you know, like you said, there's the acute injury um, that can happen, you know, if someone slides into someone on home plate and you see it happen right then. But then there's the more um, overuse or mm-hmm. repetitive or a tear that gets worse or things of that nature. Yep. But I imagine on a grapple, I mean, there's a it's all acute. I mean, it's just, mm-hmm. um, I just feel like I would be analyzing what each hit did to that individual. It's it's a very different experience to be covering it as the ringside physician yeah. than it is to be there watching, right? And when you're watching, you're booing because there's not enough going on. Mm-hmm. Then you're cheering because someone's doing very well. When you're, when you're watching it as the person who's supposed to keep everybody safe and healthy mm-hmm. and alive, mm-hmm. it's... That is a very different experience. So, yes, I do, you know, you watch and you see, okay, between, you you may actually go up um, and, and check on them between rounds. Mm-hmm. The They have a cut man. Um, and so the cut man, uh, between rounds for UFC, they'll go up and they'll, they'll clean these His wounds. His sole job is to clean wounds. That's yeah. it. Yep. Mm. Try to, try to keep them looking pretty. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so I frequently, I'll go up and I'll stand just behind and to the side of them so that I'm able to get a good look, you know, and the press will be on the other side. The, the video camera likes to get right in their face as well. And so the press will be on the other side. I'll be, I'll be on one side and they'll be on the other. And from there, I'm able to see, okay, are they, are they responding appropriately to questions? Where were they hit? Does mm-hmm. it seem... As though, because frequently you're you're not trying to stop a fight unless someone is significantly injured, mm-hmm. right? And if and if they are significantly injured, and you're gonna say, okay, I'm gonna take as a physician, you're allowed to, but if you take that additional time to evaluate an athlete, you could hypothetically change the direction of where this fight is going, right? So they're only supposed to get this short duration of time between rounds. Mm-hmm. And if you modify that, that's, you know, you really try your try your best to get a really good evaluation as quickly as you can. And there's some things that you just continue to monitor, right? You say, mm-hmm. okay, well, they've got this one particular cut in this area and it looks like, you know, some of them are going to need stitches. There's right. a lot of stitches that get done afterwards. Um, but you know, is this, is, is there also a fracture with that or is there, is there something else that I should be worried about? Is there, 
um, you know, can they can they move their eyes in all appropriate directions? Right. And and so yeah, it never is, thought about how you literally could change the momentum of the entire course and the money that's up for that. I mean, there's a lot of ramifications. There, that, yes, sport like that. Yes. So wow. when you're when you're at that level, it, it is you you do your best to to get everything done efficiently, professionally, mm-hmm. um, and and then when you're not needed, you're you're invisible, mm-hmm. right? You're you're there. You're watching what you're supposed to be watching, um, making sure. So a regular day at the office seeing patients must seem like very calm to you <laughs> <laughs> when you just got a regular office visit day, you know, versus being out in the field. Um, literally out in the field. Yes, yes. And it's, and I, I am very much someone who I enjoy, I enjoy wearing different hats. Mm -hmm. And I enjoy the fact that I can see clinic, I can see patients in clinic all day. And then I can go and do cover, cover a big event like that, or I can go and do a, a marketing thing at, at um, one of our wonderful chamber events, or I can go and do educational talks with um, like the Florida Southern College Physical Therapy Program. Mm-hmm. I'm one of their affiliate instructors. So the, the, for me that, that I find value in having the ability to say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to take this hat off and I'm going to go and put this hat on now. Well, you do it very well. You are, um, as as Rachel said to me this morning, she said, she's just superwoman. <laughs> she's everywhere. So I'm going to ask you a fun question. Um, we've, we've touched upon a lot of, uh, of the questions that I had for you. But um, so a little birdie told me that one of your hobbies is hunting alligators. <laughs> so um, which uh, does fit in very much with where you're living now, I guess. But um, tell me a little bit. First off, how do you even get into that? I don't even know. But then what is that like hunting alligators? And, and then what do you do with the alligators once you've caught them? Great questions. Yes, yes. Take, taking some of my little hobby secrets and we're, we're going to share them with, with all, all the world. Um, yes. So fortunately for my husband, uh, he wasn't the first super cool guy for to to share with me uh, the the fun activities that you can do outside. And and so the first being my my father mm-hmm. and my my dad, he used to take us alligator hunting in Brevard County on, on the East Coast. So I've, I've grown born and raised in Florida. So when you go out alligator hunting, which we did, we, we were drawn, you have to, you have to apply for mm-hmm. tags and the tags are, they're zip ties that get attached to the alligator's tail after you've caught them. So you apply for tags and, and we got tags for this year. You, so, so the actual act of catching alligators, it's, it is as dangerous as it sounds. I was going to say, uh, yeah. As it, as exciting as it sounds. Um, you, you're going to, you're typically going out on a boat. You're going to use a variety of tools to first grasp or catch the alligator. You're going to pull it closer to the boat and then you're going to use, um, different things that's going to, um, make the alligator less dangerous. Um, so yes, I don't, I, you know, how much detail people want to hear about it. Um, so do you, is it, 
Um, and you can tell I'm neither a fisherman or an alligator hunter, but is it catch and release? Like, are you just tagging? No. no. So you get to keep the alligator that Correct. you... Correct. Yes. So you okay. get two tags. So okay. each person who applies for tags, if they are awarded tags, and we, we got them for Polk County at large, so mm-hmm. we could we could go in almost any lake in the county that's not under a wildlife management area. And you have the opportunity... To get two tags and and you can at that point kill two alligators, which we have, you know, there there are a lot of alligators and they've actually the last two years, they've actually extended out the amount of tags that they are awarding, realizing that there were more alligators out there than tags that they had mm-hmm. awarded. And so they did. They they've extended that. So, yes, you you go, you you catch your alligator, you do kill the alligator um, and and you put your tag on it and. Afterwards, what what we do with it is we typically um, end up eating um, the meat mm-hmm. that comes from it. Yeah. So you said, except for wild, this is a random question, except yeah. for wildlife areas. So is Circle B considered a wildlife, like mm-hmm. you can't hunt at Circle B? I mean, yeah, in Lake, Han- Lake Hancock. Because I really feel like you could literally walk across the water on the number of alligators that are right. in that lake. Yes. It's, I mean, it's terrifying. I mean, it's great because we get a lot of notoriety, notoriety because of our dinosaur-like alligators at Lake Hancock. But mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so that you actually have to apply for Lake Hancock specifically. Okay. So if you want to, if you want to hunt Lake Hancock, that's the only lake you're going to be able to hunt for the entirety of the season. If that's where you get oh, your tags gotcha. for. Gotcha. Well, that's interesting. I learned a lot of new things today. That's definitely <laughs> the most random thing that I didn't think I was going to learn today. But um, that is imp- there. Literally, is nothing that you cannot do. <laughs> I you. truly believe that. So um. W- you know, we're kind of coming up on our time now, but I wanted to ask you, is there anything else that you want people to know, um, know about you, know about your clinic, um, know about when they should seek out treatment? You know, just kind of wanted you to wrap it up in terms of what you um, want the public to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, what, what I would say is, is what are the, the key things that people should seek some type of medical attention for? Um, and and this includes kids all the way through adults. If if things become swollen, um, there there is frequently if there's swelling, there is frequently something going on uh, underneath there, and you do want to determine why is there why is this knee swollen? Why is um, why is this this uh, forearm swollen? So, so that would certainly be a big one. Things that wake you up at night, pain that wakes you up at night, that's, that's also something that you want to have looked at. The, and then particularly in the kids' realm, if they are, are crawling and they quit crawling or if they're walking and they suddenly start crawling instead and they refuse to walk kids kids are unique there it's kind of like um, with dr vargas uh, talking about pets pets you know they don't they can't talk back to you they can't tell you what's wrong kids kids are really you know very similar they they often don't tell you that something's wrong you have to you have to be a detective and Mm -hmm. and deduce it and and so if they are you know they've quit using a certain arm that you know normally they feed themselves and and point at things and now they're they're not they're kind of protecting that arm keeping it close that would be that would be something that should be looked at mm-hmm. um, and those those are sometimes hard especially you know because because as moms you're you're frequently looking around and you're like I, I don't know if they're they're you know if they're just doing something funny or if right. this is something um, that that I should have looked at right right what I've learned with my two-year-old is that when there is an alternative something 
starts to hurt. So like, hey, it's bath time. Oh, I stopped my, my toe hurts <laughs> or, you know, and so it really is. I mean, when you talk about having to be a detective, you actually have to figure out whether it's something that you have to take seriously and you have to ask a lot of questions and all that kind of stuff. So I can see that. So, well, Dr. Henny, I want to say thank you so much. I have been so impressed with you since the minute that I met you and to have such an intelligent um, strong female business owner in our community. Um, I mean, we are all the better for it to have you in the Winter Haven community and just the breadth of experience that you bring to this area, but the 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 light that you also bring in terms of of um, just your general kindness and, and soul that you bring to this community and your passion for your work. So I want to thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Um, and we certainly, there is so much we didn't even cover today. I hope we can bring you back again sometime soon to learn more about you. I would love that. Thank you. To learn more about Releve Sports Medicine, you can visit their website at relevesportsmedicine.com. That's R-E-L-E-V-E sportsmedicine.com. Or you can call their office at 863 401 4401. They are located at 5535 Cypress Gardens Boulevard, Suite 270. This podcast would not be possible without our Chamber Investor Businesses stepping up to support us. We'd like to thank one of our podcast presenting sponsors, Meeks Real Estate. Winter Haven was rated by Realtor.com as our number one hottest real estate market. Do you need help navigating your home search? Meeks Real Estate LLC is owned and operated by broker Realtor, Carla Meeks. Carla has over 14 years of experience in residential and commercial real estate, as well as her GRI designation. Her office is located at 1510 North Broadway Avenue in Bartow. But Carla is actively involved in all of Polk County. Call or text Carla at any time. She would love to help you buy, sell, build, and invest in Central Florida. 863-604-9287 or visit CarlaMakesRealtor.com. That's C-A-R-L-A-M-E-E-K-S Realtor.com. Hundreds of homebound seniors in Polk County depend on Meals on Wheels for a hot meal and a source of nutrition delivered daily to their homes. Executive Director Susan Eldridge plays a key role in fulfilling their needs. Welcome to the podcast, Susan. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Of course. So tell our listeners that may not be familiar uh, with Meals on Wheels a little bit about uh, the organization and the programs that you run. Well, what we do is we work with the community. Our mission is to deliver a hot, nutritious meal and a daily check to the homebound. So we're delivering meals and that just daily, hey, how you doing? Mm -hmm. And I imagine for many of your clients, that could be their only interaction that they're getting throughout the day. It is. It is. A lot of them only see that volunteer. You're the only person they would see during the day. Especially now as well. So tell us a little bit about how uh, the COVID-19 crisis has impacted your nonprofit. Well, we are still, we've actually noticed more people calling, needing the meals as they are, especially seniors staying in at home or their Mm -hmm. families calling us worried from other locations that could we serve them a meal. So most of them have been really 
still wanting the meals, doing, you know, staying in their homes. But we have noticed, I think we added about 200 people between March and April. Wow. Now, is there an age uh, requirement for Meals on Wheels? Or is uh, what is, if someone is looking to have a meal delivered, what is the criteria you look at to your clients? Well, it is that they're homebound for the Mm -hmm. most part. I Mm -hmm. mean, some of them can get around a little bit, but we do not have an age requirement. For the most part, we don't receive Mm -hmm. the federal funding. So um, we we are community funded, we'd say. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we don't have um, the age requirement. Right. Just that they're unable to get out on their own to to get what they need. Most of our people are 62 and older, but yes. Are they? Okay. Um, And so what is your background? What kind of brought you to be executive director of Meals on Wheels? I have been at Meals on Wheels for 15 years. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) I started in the bookkeeping and then about five years later went into director. But in my first experience with Meals on Wheels was my grandparents way back (laughs) received meals Mm -hmm. and I could see what it meant to them, not only the food, but the volunteer and how it helped my mother that was trying to take care of them. Mm -hmm. So that was my first experience Mm -hmm. with Meals on Wheels. But um, it's it's a passion to be able to want to help those people. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. And you can tell in the way you run your organization. Absolutely. So what's the most rewarding part of being executive director of Meals on Wheels? Well, it is that being able to help. Most of us need a job, but it is being able to know that you're helping people get that meal during the day. For most of them, that's their big meal. So mm-hmm. some of them even divide it and have a little bit in the evening, but um, that it's just helping them. Where do you get the food for your meals? I mean, is that uh, part of your fundraising that you purchase the food or do you take donations for food or how does that work? Most of our food is purchased. Mm -hmm. So monetary donations really help in that regard. We do have uh, some donations that come to us, maybe, you know, from trucks or or Mm -hmm. people like that that want to uh, deliver food donations. Mm -hmm. Um, Publix is good to to give to us, which is the bread and the the pastries. We've got Starbucks, Panera. We do get those type as well. Okay. And if someone is interested in getting involved in Meals on Wheels, what are the different ways? So you said a monetary donation is one way, which is always a great way (laughs) um, to to help our local nonprofits. But what are the different um, ways someone can get involved in Meals on Wheels? Well, the the biggest way to volunteer is to help us deliver the meals. You can go to our website that you mentioned earlier, mealsonwheelspolk.com. You can actually apply on there, and then we'll get back to you within two days mm-hmm. and talk to you about what what is involved with delivering meals. At this time, that is the best way, other than the monetary donations. Mm-hmm. Uh, normally, we have kitchen and thrift store volunteers as well, but we're a little slower about bringing that back because of the COVID. Right. Oh, absolutely. That's understandable. So you really heard it today. I mean, there are so many people in Polk County that need this program, that need not only from the sustenance side, the the food, um, but from the human connection side. And so becoming a volunteer on Meals of Wheels is, um, I imagine your volunteers 
feel very connected to the people that they are delivering their meals to, at least the ones I know. Well, we have a mutual volunteer in, uh, in uh, Rich Shapiro um, who uh, would never miss a chance to, to make sure that he was volunteering. So he, he would uh, give up on something he was doing for us to make sure that he hit uh, you guys, which I always found incredibly admirable. Um, so what else? If there's one other thing you want to make sure the community understands about Meals on Wheels, what would that be? Well, like you were saying, like Rich, it's rewarding to them. They'll tell me the blessing is theirs. Mm -hmm. So if you ever want to try it and ride with another volunteer or just, just try delivering the meals, that's when you really see what the program is all about and how it helps those folks. Absolutely. So if you are listening and you want to figure out a way to give back to Meals on Wheels, visit MealsOnWheelsPolk.com to learn a little bit about the organization and how they are so supportive of our community. Susan, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. This podcast is made possible through the generous support of local businesses in the Winter Haven community, including our presenting sponsor, Fred Simons Insurance Agency. That's right. There's a new farmer's insurance agent in your neighborhood. Meet Fred Simons with the Fred Simons Insurance Agency located at 325 Avenue C Southwest, Winter Haven, Florida. As the road you travel changes, so can your insurance needs. Give Fred Simons a call today at 863-259-1826 so he can help you as you assess whether you're ready for the journey ahead. That's Farmers Insurance Agent Fred Simons at 863-259-1826. We know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. We are farmers. Bum, ba-dum, bum, 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 bum. Underwritten by Farmers, Truck Fire Insurance Exchanges, and Affiliates. Products not available in every state. Well, that's it for another episode of It's Happening in the Haven. We'd like to thank our guests for today's podcast, Dr. Michelle Henney with Releve Sports Medicine and Susan Eldridge with Meals on Wheels. Be sure to tune in every week to It's Happening in the Haven, available on all of your favorite podcasting platforms. To learn more about Winter Haven and the Chamber of Commerce, visit winterhavenchamber.com or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We hoped you learned a little bit about our community today and even more about the people who are shaping its future. After all, no true community exists without the people who form it. Winter Haven. Some call it a haven. We call it home.